0: People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. Breaking news. LeBron is a Laker. Here comes LBJ! This Clippers team will win a championship this year. All George, corner three. Yes, sir! Bryant has to put it up with a buzzer. Banks it in! Ha-ha! He banks in the three! And the Lakers win the game! What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Battle for L.A. podcast, part of the Clutch Points and Blue Wire Networks. As usual, Tamir Zarli, your Clutch Points beat writer here. Uh, I'm joined by a special guest today. Uh, I have Brandon Payne of Accelerate Basketball, uh, joining me today, Brandon. Thank you very much for joining us today. Hi right, man, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, before we jump into a lot of the the juicy stuff, I uh, just want to ask, how are you and, and your family are doing? Considering I know we have the pandemic and a lot going on in the world right now, how are you doing?
1: Well, we're we're actually doing well. My my two sons. I have a 12 year old and a nine year old, and they're getting back into playing, so my voice is a little bit hoarse because I actually had to coach nine <laughs> basketball games this weekend. So uh, my my we had four uh, on Saturday and five yesterday. So it's hard to coach through a mask, and there's a lot of yelling you got to do just to get your, your words out there. So my voice is a little bit hoarse, but we're doing well, and it's it certainly it's been challenging, but it's also been an opportunity to learn. It's been an opportunity to expand. You know, how my kids learn in school has been an opportunity, opportunity for me to expand how I work with my NBA guys, learning how to do it through Zoom and, and learning how to be creative that way. So, you know, we try to take every, you know, every situation like this and turn it into a positive and, 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 you know, seek
0: out the opportunity to get better. And that's what we're trying to do here. I'm guessing since, you know, obviously there was a shutdown nationwide, you wouldn't have it any other way, at least getting back to basketball, and some form of normalcy, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah I think it feels you know it feels normal I mean here in North Carolina they're still not allowing parents or grandparents or anybody like that to come in so it's basically just the kids and the coaches and the referees Um, but you know before that I did spend an extended period of time I was in California for about seven weeks with Stefan um, you know trying to get back into our normal routine which you know it was about as normal as it could be uh, preparing him for the next season so um, in a normal off season, believe it or not, I'm normally in the Bay Area Monday to Friday and then I'm back in Charlotte Saturday and Sunday to, to coach and to be with my sons and watch football with my sons and then I fly back to the Bay on Sunday nights to get Stefan's workouts going. So that's been cut down a little bit, uh, but that been, fortunately we've, we've figured out how to use Zoom to kind of fill in the gaps.
0: So you see during the season, every single weekend, you're going back and forth? During the off season, during the off, okay, so, during the off season, actually, gotcha. yeah, during the
1: off season, you know, I'll normally spend Monday to Friday with Steph, and then you know, I'll I'll come back here and and then get back to Steph. And last year, I probably set a record for the the craziest weekend. We had a Friday morning that we worked out at Stanford out in the Bay. I went from Stanford to SFO, flew to Charlotte. Uh, I landed in uh, I took the red eye actually back to Charlotte. Landed in Charlotte at six a.m. My sons had games at 8, 9, 10, and 11 in the morning. We then hopped in the car and drove to Chapel Hill, North Carolina for a football game, drove back to Charlotte, got to Charlotte like 2 or 3 in the morning. Then my sons had, again, the next day, 8, 9, 10, 11, coached those games, got to Charlotte the airport at 2 o'clock, got back to uh, Stanford at 7 <laughs> o'clock for a workout that night. So that was probably the wildest weekend experience I've had. But, uh, you know, it's all worth it because – you know, I get to do a job that, that so many people would, would love to do and love to have a glimpse of. But then I also get to be a father and, you know, I'll, I'll never get this time back. So I always make sure that, you know, whatever sacrifices I have to make, it's not fun to, to, to fly on red eye flights. It's not fun to, to bounce back and forth across the country. But, mm. you know, to be able to do the job I love and to be able
0: to be the father and be with my the two children that I love, you know, it's, it's worth it. Uh, you mentioned being Steph's personal trainer, uh, but I'm curious how did you get into training um, because some people uh, you know develop a passion for it. I'm curious how did that start for you?
1: Well, you know, growing up, you know, my dad was always a coach. So I grew up in the gym, I grew up playing and, and grew up um, kind of watching the game through the eyes of a coach. And so um, I kind of knew early on, I think I'd say around seventh grade, um that I understood the game a little bit differently than everybody else and the concepts and things came to me a little bit easier and then my ability to to kind of translate what the coach was saying to my teammates it, it seemed kind of like a, a natural fit and, and when you grew up in North Carolina like I did uh, I grew up in the, in the late eighties and through the nineties, you know, it was Dean Smith and Michael Jordan, you know, you either want to be Michael or Jordan or you want to be Dean Smith. I, you know, I knew I wasn't going to be Michael Jordan. I didn't have that type of athletic ability. <laughs> I could shoot it. Uh, but I couldn't do all the other things that I needed to do to be a really, really good player. So. I knew early on that I wanted to be a coach. And, you know, so, you know, being able to grow up watching Dean Smith and, and and being around my dad and being in the gym all the time and still playing. I mean, I was I was a good good enough player to be effective, but I knew I wasn't going to go past college, certainly playing. Uh, so I knew that I wanted to be a coach. And I, so I started coaching when I was in high school. And the wow. funny story about that is so my senior year of high school, my dad was coaching an 11 and under. AAU program here in Charlotte, which was which is always a fun age. At six, sixth, seventh grade is always a fun age to coach. That's actually the age I'm coaching with my son now. And uh, the kids we were playing against, we were the Charlotte Royals, and playing for the Charlotte Stars was Stephen Curry. Playing for a, a group called the North Carolina Gators was Chris Paul. So, you know, all these guys that I end up kind of intersecting with later on in life, you know, I got into coaching when they were getting into playing and Anthony wow. Morrow, who played in the NBA for so long, was actually on our team, and uh, so that's when I got started. Uh, at that time, when I was a senior in high school, I also started training players individually, and it started off, I started training a couple of my teammates, just because they saw the things that I was doing with some of the young kids in our practices, and and they wanted to get in on it, and so, you know, I kind of figured out that the coaching would be where I, you know, really was able to, to stay in the game and make a difference in the game, and When I was a junior in college, um, you know, playing was no longer, you know, you can either go be a punching bag and be on the, the basketball team and, and, you know, be a walk on and be a punching bag. Or the coach at the time gave me the opportunity to go ahead and start taking on some responsibilities in terms of at that time we had tape exchange. We used to have to film. We used to have to FedEx tapes back and forth to the schools we were going to wow. play. And, you know, we would uh, do some advanced scouting. I got to do some some game scouting, got to do a little bit of recruiting um so the last two years I was in college that's what I was doing I was coaching at the AAU level the younger level and then the last year I was in college excuse me my junior in college I coached at the 17 and under level then my my senior in college I was actually full-time on the college staff at Winkin University taking on some of those responsibilities and you know and that that's when it really got going and that's when I started to really kind of figure out How you can blend strength and conditioning with skill development for a more efficient player development model. You know, I started looking at all the things we were asking our players to do at the time, you know, we were asking them, you got to go to class, you got to get up, you got to eat, you know, you got to go to, you got to go to study hall. Now you got to come lift. All right, well, now we're going to get on the court and we're going to do skill development for 45 minutes. And, oh, by the way, we really want you to play pickup today too. And then we need you to study some more. I, you know, we were asking our players to do a lot of things and, and try to pack as much as we could into a short period of time. And I always felt like that certain parts of what we did day to day got shortchanged because guys were in such a big hurry to get from – one thing to the next thing. So I started playing around with these ideas and concepts of how you could blend strength and conditioning, skill development, speed, agility, and quickness all together to to form just more efficient workout concepts. And through that, I started to learn a lot about how neuromuscular efficiency occurs and and how it helps with players and and their learning patterns and learning behavior. Um, So that really kind of set me on the path to where I am now. Um, And that was, you know, it, it, it pains me to say that was 21 years ago. And so, you know, so it's, it's been a while now. So this has been a long time in the making. And, and, and now, you know, it's something that I refine day after day. Um, and I get to do it at the, at the highest
0: level, which is a lot of fun. Now, it's actually incredibly impressive that you started this in high school because um, I, I don't I think I know when I wanted in high school, but it wasn't that, you know, as laser focused as you are. So props to you on that, but I'm curious, how did you make that? Obviously you said high school and then the college, but how did you make that transition from coaching and, and, and training high school and college level players to NBA? Because that there's a lot of trainers out there and that's a huge jump.
1: It is. It's it's a big jump. And it, and it, and it was all, you know, I, I have the, the lockout around 2010, 2011 to really thank for all of this. So, um, at the time, you know, we were here in Charlotte at Accelerate Basketball. We were full. I mean, absolutely full of high school and college players. At, at one point in this small little little half-court gym we have in here, we had over 300 players a month coming through here, and it was jam-packed. And it just so happened that some of the players here that were with the Bobcats at the time heard about us, and and, you know, they couldn't use their team facilities. So one of those players was Gerald Henderson. And Gerald Henderson had just had his first hip procedure uh, shortly before that lockout began. So he was rehabbing his hip at the same time he was starting to get back on the court with us. And Stephen Curry, who, you know, other than coaching against him early and we lived in the same city all along, we'd never met each other, um, happened to be rehabbing at the same facility, the same facility just rehabbed. I just had both my hips replaced. They rehabbed me, architect sports and, and physical therapy here. In Charlotte and um, I went over to check on Gerald one day just to see how he was doing to make sure what we were doing with him aligned with what his physical therapist wanted him to do and Stefan happened to be there and so I met Stefan that day I didn't think a whole lot about him other than just saying hello and, and Gerald introduced me and about two days later we were heading to Johnson C. Smith which is a small college here in the Charlotte area to work Mm -hmm. these guys out. And and when I'm driving down Interstate 77, I got a text from Gerald Henderson says, Hey, do you mind if Stephen Curry comes today? And so that's kind of how it went from high school, college to one pro. Then Stephen Curry came and then all of a sudden in the matter of a month, we went from having one or two NBA guys to where we had 12, 14, 16 guys at a time. And we were having to find gyms to make sure we could play pickup because we wanted to work out and then play pickup. So it all happened really, really fast. And, um, fortunately we did a good job with him. and I paid a lot of special attention to Steph in those first (laughs) few days and, um, you know, made sure that we were challenging him, make sure that made sure that he understood that, that I understood the limitations that came along with the ankle procedure that he just had and and how we could work around that to continue to improve things from a skill standpoint to prepare for a basketball season. Um, so that, that's kind of how that all came together. And, you know, we finished that first workout over at Johnson C. Smith. And I just told Stefan at the end of it, I said, hey, here's my phone number. If you enjoyed what we did today, just, just give me a call. I'd love to have you back. If not, you know, I appreciate the opportunity. And he actually called me that night and said, hey, can, I got class at Davidson tomorrow. He was trying to finish classes during the during the, uh, the lockout. I said, I got class mm-hmm. at Davidson tomorrow at 11 a.m. Can you go at 10, at 7 a.m.? And I said, sure. And we've been, we've been working together
0: since then. And so it, it's been an amazing journey. It that jump you said from one to two players to fourteen within a month, was it hard? I mean, I I guess hard is probably the obvious answer, but was it tough to you know, you said you draw workouts and and plan things out for specific players? Was it tough to go from one, two to fourteen all of a sudden, planning them out and one by one?
1: At that time, it was like drinking water from a fire hose. I mean, it was just coming so fast. (laughs) And And I'll I'll tell you why, because, and what made this so interesting is, is, you know, we were doing very well here at Accelerate, extremely well, and we still do, but we didn't have a very large staff. So uh, my business partner at the time and I, we were, we were handling the NBA workouts and we would do that all morning. You know, we would start that from 9 a.m. and we would finish that around one or 2 p.m. And then at 3 p.m., all of a sudden we have elementary, middle school and high school kids coming here. And then our last one of the night, the last group we had at night at that time was like what we called uh, rising stars, which is kindergarten kindergarten age kids. So we had to plan in the morning for NBA (laughs) all-stars, the afternoon for middle school and high school kids. And to finish it all off at night, we were working with five and six-year-olds. So at that time, it was extremely difficult because you went from one extreme to the other and it was every day. And it was, but I mean, I I wouldn't have traded that experience for anything because it forced us to be better planners. It forced us to make sure that we, we had everything ready each and every day. And, and, you know, it, it made everybody that was a part of that time better.
0: Who were some of the players that jumped from that in that first month that you guys had? Obviously, Steph Man, and Gerald, but who else?
1: Yeah, Steph, Gerald. We had Tyrus Thomas. Derek Brown at the time was also with the Bobcats. Um, Dominic McGuire came in. Uh, Matt Carroll, Antoine Jamison, Anthony Morrow. Uh, Brendan Haywood came in and played some. Kimball Walker had just been drafted. He came in and played some. I know I'm leaving some guys out here, so I'm going to feel terrible. if I, um, <laughs> I, 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 I I can't even think clearly now. I mean, we had – Mike Conley came in for some workouts with Steph and uh, we just, it was, it was called, it was like a parade. It just never, you know, we always had more guys coming, more guys coming. And it was just a lot of fun. And, you know, it, it, it forced me to really, that's when I really learned how you have to treat each guy as an individual and you can't, you can't work two players in the NBA out the same way. Um, Everybody, you know, from, how they need to be warmed up how they have to have activation how we turn their central nervous system on how we teach them how we work from drill to drill how we work you know rest into it and and how we communicate with them in the workout they're all so unique and they're all so different and, and you really have to learn a lot about players and and that's when i really learned that and and that's why i tell people that you know i get a lot of calls from agents and players now but, hey, you know, can I come in this weekend and work out or can we get a workout to here or there? And that's really not how I'm geared. You know, I'm really a, a long term kind of relationship guy because it, it, there's such a feeling out process and learning process. You know, I have mm-hmm. to learn about the player. The player has to learn about me. And we have to make sure it's a good working relationship because it is it's a lot of back and forth. It's not coach the player. It's a partnership when we're working together and we both have to make sure we can get on the same page, stay on the same page and make sure we're enjoying our time together. You know, I mean, that's that's an important part of it because there's, you know, in the workouts that I put players through, there's a lot of really difficult things that we're doing. And I'm sure there's a lot of times when Stefan is mumbling under his breath, cussing me out because I'm trying to get him, you know, I'm, I'm making him do things that. He doesn't really want to do so in order to get through those times, it's good that Steph and I have a great friendship as well so that we can work through those things. And you know, I've got some younger guys that I work with as well. And, and, and those relationships are growing and, and and we're learning how how to work together. And it just
0: take it takes time to make sure that it's a great fit. Uh, you talked about uh, obviously Steph coming off the uh, complicated ankle surgery. I believe that was 2011, the lockout season. Uh, mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, he had multiple uh, ankle surgeries. He did to that. Uh, yeah. Just, yeah. What was the I guess it's a bit more complicated for you, obviously, to figure out a, a, a training regimen for him that works. How was that process for you in terms of building him up, I guess, slowly?
1: It was it was a collaborative effort. So, I mean, it, it was an effort that, that included his surgeon, the warrior staff, some of our input. You know, at that time, our role in that process was really to find ways to, to continually challenge his balance and, and do it in a skill workout setting. Uh, at the same time, we were trying to work up the chain, making sure that he was getting as strong as he could through, you know, his hips, quads, knees, glutes, you know, that was really where the issues were lying is, is there wasn't the strength that was really required up the chain. And, you know, once that all started coming together in terms of, you know, the deadlifting and the squatting and stuff that he really needed to do, you saw a rapid decrease in the amount of little ankle issues that he had. Uh, because if, if that power and if that core strength and stability hadn't been corrected, we probably would have seen a lot more ankle injuries. But the one thing you can you know, I can tell you about Stephen Curry is I've never met a player that took more time to learn about his body and learn about his injuries. I mean, he he really has a desire to understand, OK which ligament is is going, what's going on, which muscle does it affect? How does it affect things from a joint by joint approach? He really Mm -hmm. takes time to learn that stuff. And because of that, now when he has some little discomfort or now when he has something that goes a little bit uh, Mm -hmm. sideways on him, he can really explain to us what's going on. He he can, he can articulate to play, to coaches, to his trainers, to doctors exactly what's happening in his body. So it really, helps the recovery process and the return to play protocols because he can, he can tell you what's going on. A lot of players say, well, it just hurts here. And you know, they're, they're very general with how they describe it. Stefan mm-hmm. gets very, very specific and it's because his desire for that knowledge is the same as his desire to get better on the court. And that's, what's really made him such the, just the consummate pro um, about everything. He's a pro about everything he does. And it's really hard sometimes to work with younger guys that don't take that same level of detail approach because I'm sitting here thinking in my mind, well, I mean, the guy's won two MVPs. He's won three world championships. He's set records. He's been an all-star numerous times. He's got his own shoe. He's got all the money in the world. You might want to follow his lead and, and kind of do the things that he does because <laughs> it, it's, it's been proven to work. Um, so it's trying to get guys to understand You know, you have to be a pro about everything you do every day in order to really make a big impact in the NBA.
0: Were you surprised by his approach to um, learning his body, uh, learning his game, stuff like that?
1: Surprised at how rapidly he obtained and could could absorb the knowledge. I mean, it was rapid. It was boom, boom, boom. He knew something he knew, he knew, he knew. And it just kept growing. So for me, the challenge was, well, well, damn, you know, he's learning this fast you know, I've got to try to stay one step ahead of him. And, and so uh-huh. his body learns the same way. It's, it's so interesting. He takes in knowledge and he takes in information and he learns it at such a rapid pace, but his body learns even faster, if that makes sense. So, you know, when we show him something new from, from a new way to create space, or, you know, we're showing a new combination or, or, or a couple of new drills or something, the first couple times it could be brand new. The first couple times, you know, he looks like Bambi trying to walk for the first time. And, you know, and then, you know, by the third rep though, he then all of a sudden looks like he's been doing it his whole life. It's the craziest thing I've ever, I've, I've never been any around anybody that can learn and adapt at the speed that he learns. And it, it's, it's amazing. And I think you see that on the court too. I think you see, you know, when, when teams are constantly trying to give him new looks, they're constantly trying to do different things to slow him down. And, you know, it's almost like every five or six games it changes because he figures things out so fast and he figures right. out how to attack and how to adjust. And, you know, so he's a very, very difficult player to to uh, game plan for because he adapts so fast. And, you know, I've got, had the opportunity to see that adaptation happen, not only with how he learns information, but about how his body learns and, and how he improves. And, and it, it's just been an incredible incredible experience to to be able to see that over these years and and watch him develop and grow.
0: Now, Steph was a good player leading up to that 2011 season. I think he was averaging close to 18, 19, maybe 20 points a game. Uh, But he made a big jump a few years later. Uh, I'm curious, that big jump that he made, multiple jumps actually, was that a product mostly of his off-the-court stuff or was it a lot of his on-court stuff?
1: Well, I mean, I think that you – it's it's a combination of everything right so it's a combination of the fact that he's you know he's so much stronger right he got stronger mm-hmm. and uh he had the time to really work on becoming Uh, a stronger athlete and not necessarily rehabbing you know there's a big difference between strength and rehab and so there was less time rehabbing and more time becoming bigger stronger power more powerful more explosive and then you know as as player development guys and coaches sometimes we have it backwards right we always we want guys to get shots up we want to go through moves we want to work on this we want to work on that but the reality is the better we are as an athlete, the stronger we are as an athlete, the more balanced we are, the more symmetrical we are with power output, the more the more strength and stability we have through our core, the better we're going to be in terms of acquiring and being able to execute new skills. So mm-hmm. skill level really, you know, really explode and get much bigger just because the physical part of it got so much better in that time that all of a sudden his, his skill level was just amplified by just moving better, moving stronger, having more command over his body, having more command over the basketball from a ball handling standpoint. And I thought you also saw a guy that was just supremely confident, and he should be supremely confident because, you know, he, he had enough experience at that time. He had enough uh, success at that time to know mm-hmm. what works, what doesn't. So he eliminated the stuff that didn't work really focused on the things that did work, got stronger, did the work. And and then the product, the end product was, you know, one of the most impressive two year stretches that you'll ever see.
0: Hey guys, I just wanted to pause real quick to tell you guys about Indeed. As you know, 2020 has already reshaped how we work, but it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire has to be critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to ComScore indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going unlike other sites indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring you only pay for what you need you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the United States are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore's total visits. So it's clear, Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it Fast. Try out Indeed with a free seventy five dollar credit at indeed.com slash Bluewire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com Bluewire. Offer valid through December thirty first. Terms and conditions do apply. How much, uh, I guess, pl- players, I, I, I guess, don't like to lift as much because it does affect their shots. Um, I don't know if it's a myth, if that's actually true. That's a myth. Uh, maybe you could expand <laughs> on that. It's a myth? Okay. Yeah,
1: that's a myth. I mean, it, you know, it, it's not what affects a player's shot is when movement is, is somehow impeded. So if you're doing a lot of movements from a chest standpoint, you're doing a lot of, a lot of pushing and you're not doing Mm -hmm. enough pulling, what happens is your strength gets asymmetrical. So one side of your body gets to be stronger Uh than the other side of your body. So the mobility that you have in your shoulder starts to decrease you know there's got to be a healthy balance between strength flexibility and mobility in order for guys to move with great fluidity you can get stronger and maintain your shooting touch that that's you know lifting weights and getting stronger is not going to affect your touch as long as your movement stays fluid your mechanics stay fluid and you do that through your mobility work and so it's just being intelligent about how you approach it you know you can't be a meathead in the weight room and be a basketball player I'll tell you that (laughs) you know you've got to be intelligent with how you're doing things you have to make sure you You're paying close attention uh, to the symmetry that you have from a strength standpoint. We, you know, now we have all this great technology from things with your lower body. You know, we can test right leg strength versus left leg strength. We can test the speed at which you leave the ground, right leg to left leg you know, we can look at things um, on video and really see from right arm to left arm where the asymmetries are. And when you see those, you can develop strategies to correct it. And because that that's really what shooting the basketball is. It's about being symmetrical and the power output symmetrical and movement you have from right to left and being vertically stable in your core. If you've got those three things, you can shoot the basketball.
0: Now, you brought up shooting mechanics and all that, but how much, I guess, how much working... On shooting, do you guys? I guess that's probably not the best question. But we've talked a, a lot, lot about we talked a lot about strength and conditioning is what we've done. A lot of strength and conditioning of your body. Yeah. But how much shooting and repetition have you guys done throughout the years? I'm, I'm sure it's a lot.
1: I've probably seen Stephen Curry shoot more shots than anybody not named Dale Curry. Um, you know, so I, I've 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 probably seen him take more shots than anybody. Um, you know, on a daily basis. Um, you know, it varies because we we value quality of reps, so we don't shoot to just shoot. You know, we shoot with quality in mind. There's some days that we can get up seven or eight hundred shots, and we can get them seven or eight hundred shots up with great mechanics. And, and then all depends on what we did the day before. If his body's a little bit fatigued, you know, we might only get to three or to four hundred shots, and then we start to see a dip in mechanical efficiency. And we have a lot of different metrics and things that we use to to see you know, how his mechanics are doing. We use shot tracking capabilities. So we track the flight of the basketball with some software that we have and we can see how accurate he is. It's not about making it, right? He's going to make shots. It's about making it perfectly. And we want to make sure that, you know, if we see a trend where he's making shots, but he all of a sudden starts making them to the left side of the rim, we know that he's starting to get a little bit fatigued because his arm is starting to cross his nose or his right foot is starting to get too far out in front of his left. Uh, We also track his heart rate so we can use the heart rate um, information and we can put it side by side with the shot tracking and we can see if an increase in heart rate is causing a decrease in shot accuracy. So we know that maybe it's a conditioning thing or it's a fatigue thing that's causing the quality of the shot to go down. So we track all those things and we have to be very intelligent about how we do it because shooting mechanics are very fragile. They're very fragile. It only takes one or two bad days where you're, you're overshooting or you're taking too many shots and you develop a bad habit. That bad habit is going to take a little bit, bit of time to correct, so we have to make sure that we, every shot we take is moving us forward and we're not just shooting for the sake of shooting. We've got to shoot with a game plan in mind. We've got to shoot with with improvement in mind and not just shooting for the sake of shooting.
0: It's funny that you mentioned the shot going a little to the left. I was at the uh, Warriors facility. I was I covered the Clippers Warriors series last year. Uh, And and we went to a couple of practices and watching Steph shoot. I mean, it was mesmerizing because he, he he did not hit the rim on maybe 45 straight shots. And the one that he did, he looked a little upset and I was like, Holy crap. This is incredible. He's just, yeah, uh, it's incredible.
1: You can get caught up. I I mean, at least once a workout, I will catch myself watching the flight of the ball, which is exactly what you don't want (laughs) to do as a coach, You, you know, as a coach and a trainer, you, you want to watch the player. You don't want to watch the flight mm-hmm. of the ball because the flight of the ball is a result of the action that's taking place with the player. So uh-huh. if you're watching the, the player close enough and you're watching his body, you know the flight of the ball, by how he releases it, you shouldn't be watching it. But uh-huh. it gets hard to not watch it because it's so rhythmic and it's so accurate that it's just shot after shot after shot. You know, we don't do a whole lot of catch and shoot with him. You know, the majority of what we do is either off-the-move shooting or, or doing something off the dribble, creating space, or we're using ball screens, you know, we find a lot of different ways to challenge them. Uh, so, you know, but the the few chances we do get to do some catch and shoot stuff, it, it's pretty
0: incredible. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember just getting lost in it, just watching that, Net all net all net, it was incredible. Um, it could put, put you to sleep if you're
1: not careful. He uh swish, 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 swish. It's,
0: it's it was, it's I'm telling you, I, I told my friends about it. I took, I, t- I was like, guys, this guy just did not hit the rim on 40 straight shots or whatever it was. It's was incredible. Um, when Seth makes that jump in in, in 24, 15, 16 back to back MVPs, um, I don't, I, I don't want to say does it surprise you, but I just, how, how does that? When you view that, is it more of a proud moment for you? Are you always focusing on what to do next to keep that up? How does that process work for you?
1: You know, when when you're in it and and you when it was going through it, it was um, it was all happening so fast. You you couldn't you know because it was always thinking about okay, what do we do next and and how do we build on this? And it wasn't right. so much um, you know having time to really reflect, I think we're still, we still don't have all that much time to reflect, right? Cause he's, we've been in this process now for a long time and, you know, we really didn't have a chance to reflect after the second MVP uh, because he didn't win in the finals. Right. And so there was an immediate, um, uh, it wasn't, it, it certainly wasn't a dark cloud because there was a lot for everybody to be proud about with that season, you know, winning the number of games they won, Stephan doing things the way he did it individually. They had a lot to be proud of. You know, it's just it didn't finish exactly the way they wanted it to. Um, but there was, a, there was a frustration in each workout when we started. You could feel it. And there was a desire to get better. And there was a, a refocusing that we had that we went through um, at the start of that offseason. And, you know, we, we really went to work and we worked hard um after that after that cleveland series and and it showed he got better, you know, and the numbers changed, right? I mean the numbers are gonna change. Anytime you add somebody as great as Kevin Durant, your numbers are gonna change a little bit. Your opportunities right. are gonna change. Your opportunities are different. The places where you're gonna take shots are different. The places where the ball in the move moves in offense is going to be different. That doesn't make one right or wrong. It just it's just different and there's different opportunities. So you know, but we never stopped and and just The only time I think that we ever kind of had a a proud moment together, I'll take that back. There was two. Um, One proud moment was after he got his first ring, actually flew to the Bay the next day. And I I went over to his house and, and he said look on the coffee table and I didn't even know what I was supposed to be looking at he just had his championship ring sitting on the coffee table and he was he was so happy and he was so proud about that I'll never forget the look on his face you know just looking at that ring and then the second one was uh, a couple of summers ago we had a workout uh, at a place that we use out in California and he had a, a Warriors camp. Uh, for young ladies uh, immediately after our workout in the same facility. And, and the warrior staff had come in and set up a a, a photo opportunity for all the girls and Stefan to have. And for the first time ever, we saw all three championship trophies and both of his MVP trophies in the same place. And we just both kind of walked in the room and, and we, we just kind of stopped for a minute and looked at it. And then we looked at each other and, and it's almost, it, doesn't, it almost doesn't feel real, like, you know, because it's you can't really grasp the history because you're still so close to it. But, you know, one day I think everybody will look back and, and, you know, I had just the incredible, incredible experience of being able to see the daily, the groundwork that was laid and the daily work that he did to achieve all that. And it wasn't easy. It has not been easy, you know. And right. I, you think of players like uh, Steve Nash and Stephen Curry, You think of guys that are not these big, hulking, explosive athletes. You think about guys that are good athletes. They're very good athletes. They're NBA-level athletes, but they're so incredibly skilled, and they did it with skill. And I think that that makes what Steve Nash did and what Stephen Curry has done so, so impressive because they had had to go the long way to get there. You know, they had to do – They had to do all the extra work. They had to do all the skill work. They had to learn and they had to, they had to go through some struggles. They had to go through some losses. They had to go through some times that weren't uh, as great as they wanted them to be from an individual standpoint to get to those places. And, and I think that, that, you know, that's probably what I'm the most proud of, of of being with Stefan is the fact that he's worked his way and worked himself into this position. And, and he's been
0: so incredibly successful with it. Steph's game. I think, I don't even think it's arguable anymore. He's changed the game um, from, you know, not only from a three point shooting aspect, but the, the the range aspect of the game and how far Mm -hmm. you have to defend and open the floor up. Now I'm curious, how did, how did the process of developing that extra range uh, happen?
1: Well, you know, you kind of look back and that, that first playoff appearance that he had, you know, they played the nuggets in the first round and then they played the Spurs in the second round. And, you know, Mm -hmm. We came in he came into my office a week or two after that Spurs series ended and we were just talking and, and kicking around and, and thinking about ways to, you know, combat some of the things that the Spurs did in that series that caused some problems. And, you know, you just sit down watching film and and you know, you're searching for space and you're looking for things and and I just looked at Steph and I said, Man, there's always space behind you. There's always room behind you. You know, what can we do to get to that place if we can't get by somebody if we can't get away from somebody laterally what are the things we can do to nail their feet to the ground and get them to drop their hands so that we can get backwards and and get space that way and that's kind of where we started to come up with a system of of ball handling combinations with footwork combinations that are like legos they can be stacked on each other in a million different ways to come up with as many different combinations as we possibly can and um, that's when it kind of started, like, hey, we got to start backing up. And he could always shoot it from there. But he started working and getting more comfortable in that range to where it was, okay. It was like, okay, I can shoot it from 30 feet in the game and I'll be all right. Um, and, and I think that that's where, you know, that's where it first started. And then he just started doing it in games. He started getting more and more comfortable with it and the confidence level just started going up. And now it's just it's just what he does.
0: Is there a bad shot for Steph? <laughs>
1: Mm, not many. Not many. I mean, he's he walks off the bus, he's in range. And it's a good <laughs> shot. And it's a good shot. You know, there aren't many, there aren't many better plays in basketball than the Stephen Curry jump shot. And and that's that's an incredible thing to say because if you look back even, you know, early two thousands, you know, late nineties, early two thousands. Not every coach was sold on the three point shot, even then. You know, they, they well, that's a low percentage shot. And, you know, we want to pound the ball in the paint. We want to drive the basketball, which, which is still, it can still be effective. But, you know, I've heard Stephan say before when we were talking about certain teams or or certain groups at the time, he's like, hey, they can't make enough two point shots to beat us. And, you know, that, that really resonated with me about how much. Him and that team, and him and Clay together, really. I mean, him and Clay together is so, so powerful. I mean,
0: yeah, it, it changed. Really is. It
1: changed how everybody had to defend. It changed really the spacing on the floor. It changed the role of the four man. It changed the role now. Of, and now you're even seeing, seeing the five. Really, that role is changing quite quite a bit too. So that combination is, is was, has been so so powerful to, to show, you know, to show how the game got to where it is today.
0: Now, this offseason, um, you know, I guess trailing back to last season, though, when Steph broke his hand, uh, it's been yeah. kind of a, a long year uh, because it's not a traditional year where, you know, you ramp up back to playing. I think he ramped up back to playing, but he played three games before the before coronavirus hit and they shut down the NBA here. So one, one, game. Was it one, one game, one game, one game, one game. I defer yeah. to you for that. Uh, yeah. I'm just curious, <laughs> how, did, how did the process of healing his hand um because I don't know if he ever suffered an injury like that. And and considering he's a shooter, I know it was his left hand. Yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, how, how did the process recovery process go?
1: Well, that was a little bit different because it was the first really big upper body injury that we've had. He's had some little shoulder things here, there. He's had some bursitis in his elbow and, and things like that. But we never had anything that, that put him out for a long time with his left hand So or with his hands, period. So it was a little bit different because, you know, with the other injuries, like with knees and ankles – We've been through enough of them to, again, he can accurately tell you, hey, you know, this is what's heard. This this was different because we've never had a deal with it before. So there was a learning process for him, and there was a learning process for us in making sure that we were in how to push it because it was also a bone not necessarily a ligament or a muscle you know, everything else we've had has been ligament muscle. This was a bone. So it was a little bit of a different process. So it was just taking the time to learn about it and and making sure that we were progressing him and, and putting uh, protocols in place to make sure we knew, Hey, at this, at this, point on the calendar we should be able to do this at this point on the calendar we should be able to do that and just designing things to in a make sense way to get him there and I think that you know it, the, the hard part about it too is, is he went through a surgery where they were basically like you know you're probably going to be numb through here for a little while and then it's going to kind of come back and you know so that that's kind of the unknown because they can't tell you exactly hey you're going to feel great on this date because your hand's going to be strong enough and it's going to be well enough to play but you still might not have all the feeling that you want in it or the feeling that you exactly want in it. And I think that that was the the difficult part uh, when he was really battling to come back and play because he wanted to play. And I don't, if you may not remember, but they actually pushed his return date back by about a week and they let him go down to Santa Cruz and get a day or two of work in at the time. Right. That was simply just to make sure he was 100% comfortable with the feeling in the hand. It wasn't anything with the health in the hand. It was just the feeling that he was trying to work back and get back. So that was different. But but now, thankfully, that's all healed up. And, you know, we haven't even uh, – since we started in July, we haven't even – mentioned two words about it. It's been good, you know, so that that's been that's been great. But but it has been an interesting time. I mean, if you think about it, you know, he played two or three games before he got hurt in October. He played the one game when he got back. But other than that, the last time he played was game six of the finals last year. And, you know, so it's it's an extended period of time that we've been dealing with here. Uh, so we have to make sure that we're challenging him. You know, we're challenging him in game like ways to, to keep him, in that, uh, that game state of mind from a cardiovascular standpoint, from a mental standpoint, um, there's nothing that can quite replicate being in an NBA game, but we
0: have to try as hard
1: as we can to keep him ready to go.
0: This actually brings me up to my next question, which was, uh, you mentioned starting in July, but so does that mean he took from March to July uh, off just, you know, with family? Because I, I guess you can train or how did that period go?
1: Well, remember, that was when we were shut down and NBA facilities were shut down. And, and, you know, I was here in, in North Carolina. He was in California. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Steph has is very fortunate. He's got a beautiful home. he got a beautiful weight room in his home. So he had <laughs> the ability to do all the things from uh, a strength conditioning standpoint that he needed to do. Um, you know from his house and and we actually had some things sent to him from a skill standpoint so he could do just a little bit but we knew we were dealing with a very extended very extended calendar and that there was really no rush um, really no rush to get the offseason started um, mm-hmm. you know before July you know we were looking at even though he didn't play in games the the rehab workouts and the things that he had to do to come back and get ready to play, those things certainly took a little bit of a toll. So he needed some time away from it. He needed some time to let his body recover. Um, and we've always traditionally started the week after he plays in the celebrity golf tournament in uh, up in Tahoe. So we kind of kept that in place. And once he went you know, had his fun playing golf, it was time to, kind of turn our attention back to the basketball court and and start getting ready for the next season
0: so you mentioned next season I mean what kind of stuff can we expect I feel like we've gone almost more it's going to be more than a calendar year without without seeing Steph um you know Steph at his at his best because I don't think we I don't think you know the first couple games I think you're always ramping up um it's going to be a long time what kind of stuff can we expect
1: I think you're going to see a rejuvenated Stephen curry i think you're going to see a rejuvenated warriors team i think that you know you never want to not be in the finals you never want to not be in the in the equation but if there was a year for them to kind of have the type of year they had it was this was the one to do it and i think that it's going to be good for the mental health of draymond it's good for the mental health of clay and Steph and these guys that played five straight years into the right. finals i mean that that's that's a lot, man. It, it, was, it was a lot on us to prepare in short periods of time for the next season. So I think that you're going to see more of the same production out of all those guys, especially Stefan. But I think you're going to see a youthful, a bouncier, a sharper you know, group of guys than maybe you saw towards the end of that run. I think that, you know, I don't think people quite understand the level of fatigue that, that they all had you know, after five years. And I think that you can probably say that for the coaching staff as well. That's, that's such a grind, such a mental grind to go through that. And there's a lot of pressure on those games. Those aren't, uh, you know, those aren't Tuesday night in November games, right? You know, those are, those are different types of games. So um, I think that, that it, you know, the time off has been good as long as they've all been using it wisely. Uh, I know Stefan has, he's been very responsible with it, and and we're getting better right now. He's, he's spending time with his family and, but we're still doing Zoom workouts every night at 10, 30 p.m., and we're still getting our stuff in. We're still, you know, we're still working. That's one of the benefits of, of, of working with somebody now for 10-plus years, 11 years is, you know, we have our terminology so good that he puts his earphones in, and I've got my earphones in, and I'm talking in his ear the whole time he's going through the workout and shooting, and, and it works well because we, we've, we've been able to communicate like this for years, and uh, so we're not really missing any time right now. That's incredible.
0: I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him back. It really feels like it's just been a long time without seeing him. Uh, and given the way he's um, changed the game the last couple of years, it's uh, it's been sorely missed.
1: Um, yeah, I've missed it. I, I, I've missed it. You know, it, it's, it's, you know, it, it's gotten to where during the basketball season, you know, I'll have my kids and, and I'm, when I'm here in Charlotte, I'm not in California, you know, they'll have practices or games and I get them all home and get them in bed. And then at 10:30, you know, when the games come on here, uh, you know, I sit down and I watch right. him till one or two in the morning. So I actually miss those late nights. Now I used to hate them. I used to not be able to stay up through the fourth <laughs> quarter. But but now when they, they kind of got taken away from me, I miss it. and I'm, I'm ready for them to come back.
0: Just want to tell you guys about Bet Online real quick. As you know, football season is back in full swing and regular season is almost over. And while you might not be at a game this year, you can still be in on all the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. Do you, I'm curious, do you watch games? Do you, is it like a, you know, you text Steph, hey, I noticed you did this during a game or something like What's that communication like during the season?
1: Sometimes, you know, uh, sometimes I'll pick up on things. Really not so much during the games, but i tell you what I've found very useful is when the media comes in at the end of practices and uh-huh. there's some there's some fan sites that, that operate or some fan Uh, Instagram accounts that operate with Golden State and they record every shot he takes. It's the craziest thing. So this year they changed the positioning of where the media comes in. So the media is actually behind the shooter, which was very useful to me. So I can actually see (laughs) Stefan's hands. So, you know, this year I actually started taking screenshots or, or or screen recordings of some videos that I'm getting off of these Instagram accounts saying, Hey, please pay attention to this while you're shooting. So this doesn't happen or, wow. you know, so, so that's actually, that's been useful to me. So it's actually saved me a couple trips of going to California because I've been able to <laughs> correct it, correct it from here. Um, but you know, occasionally I'll say, Hey, you know, there's some things that are happening mechanically, or there's some things you can go to that you haven't gone to that we've worked on. Just think about this. When this situation comes up, it's never right. a, you need to do this or you got to, it's, it's more of, You know, you have this available to you. You've worked on it if you want to use it. And oh, by the way, here's the video of you doing it from the summer. Just take a look Mm -hmm. at it. And if you can throw it in at the end of your practice shooting, you know, the next day or, or next week, just try to work that back into your routine so you still have it available to you during the games.
0: How has, you said you've been in this over 20 years now. How has, everything developed in terms of knowledge of the body, of of, of different parts of the body, and then technologically as well, uh, how that's helped you coach and learn about the body and develop your uh, training regimens for certain players.
1: Yeah, it changes every day. I mean, you know, the, the, the thing about this is, if you want to be a trainer at this level, or if you want to coach at this level, or if you want to be a player at this level, Mm-hmm. It's all about being a lifelong learner. You have to be committed to being a lifelong learner. And, and the hard part of being about being a lifelong learner, and I learned this lesson the hard way, is you have to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, Hey, I wasn't as smart yesterday as I, I need to be today. You know, I need to learn something new today. I used to tell people, hey, you got to be able to look in the mirror and say, You were an idiot yesterday, you are be smarter today. I've kind of softened in my old age. You're not as smart, you know, you weren't <laughs> as smart yesterday as you need to be today. So you know, whether it's just taking time to read 10 or 15 pages or taking, there's so many resources available to us from a sports science standpoint. There's so much more information becoming available to us every day that, you know, there's no reason you shouldn't be able to learn something new every day. But the biggest thing is understanding how the body operates, understanding how things work from the ground up from a joint by joint approach, understanding what mobility means and what mobility should look like, understanding the difference between the ankle stiffness and, and the good ankle stiffness and the bad ankle stiffness, understanding how power is generated, all those things you know, factor into how you develop a player's skill set because you have to develop their skill set based off of their physical abilities. You can't ask a player to do so you know. We're not going to spend a lot of time in Stephen Curry's workouts dunking the basketball. I'll put it to you that way. Right. You know, we're, we're not going to do, you know, we're not going to do things that, that, physically don't make sense for him we have to do things that are based off of what his physical capabilities are today um and and that that's you know that's a process that's it's it's ongoing and it changes because players physical traits and physical abilities change with age you know some guys like stefan actually improve as they get older it's the crazy he's still getting stronger he's still getting faster he's still get, be, developing more power even right now uh, when most guys at this age have either plateaued or they're starting to drop off. So his physical capabilities are actually improving. So the things we can do from a skill standpoint, expand, they grow. Right. So, you know, on the flip side is you get some guys that maybe start to lose a little bit. You have to start to do other things from a training standpoint. You have to do things from a neuro efficiency standpoint, making sure their decision making is sharp and quick and accurate so they can offset the loss of speed they have with faster decisions. So, you know, it's just an ongoing process and you have to make sure that you're taking all those things into account when you're developing a player development strategy for each and every guy. And, you know, it's not as simple as just walking in the gym and taking shots. That's not how, that's not how you create lasting impact in the NBA. You can stay in the NBA, but you know, how much money do you want to make? You know, how many games do you want to win? Do you want to be an all-star or you just want to collect a check? You want to be a champion or you just here to collect a check? You know, those are the things that are important to understand too about the players that you're working with because there's, there's quite a mixture of guys out there and what they think about uh, in terms of their, their careers.
0: You you mentioned just, just him getting better as he's getting older. Uh, How much, so I would ask this. Maybe how much of, of the workouts that you guys do is, is centered towards improvement now, but also about longevity and making sure you can play to the best of his ability, maybe even get better as oh, he gets older.
1: It, that that those things are all a part of every workout. I mean, you know, we're you, you have to have transformative skills and you gotta have the ability to to either take big combinations and make them short and, and quick, or you gotta be able to teach guys how to change speeds and you know, so it, it's all the above. I mean, you have to have, you, you can't, you know, I always tell people you can't do business looking at your toes. Today is gone. You know, what you're doing today, you know, you have to do business looking at the horizon. So, and it's the same thing from a skill development standpoint. We can't do skill development worried about today. Because what we do today is not going to show itself for four to six months. So we're looking four to six months down the road. And then even further, we have to look even further in the future with some of the things we do to understand that, hey, we've got to
0: be able to do these for a longer period of time. We've got to be able to do them
1: accurately when the time comes to use them.
0: Is it tough to get that buy-in from some people when you have to tell them it's not going to show up today, tomorrow, or in a month? It's going to be four to six months down the road.
1: Well, I think it's, it's setting the appropriate expectations, right? I mean, so if if you don't set that expectation, then that's going to lead to frustration, you know? But I mean, we, we use a lot of different, with our NBA guys, we use a lot of different financial analogies and talking about, hey, if you put money into this investment today, you're not going to pull it out plus 20% tomorrow, right? I mean, right. so today, you know, the workout today is our investment. We're going to pull out that dividend, hopefully four to six months down the road
0: uh tell me about uh just some of the accelerated basketball training that you have obviously you have the instagram page of the facility uh and then also about the online training uh program that you told me you guys have uh come yeah out, I'm, I believe year.
1: yeah I'm, I'm really excited about it you know it's is i've always kind of seen myself as a teacher and i've always enjoyed teaching i've enjoyed speaking in coaches clinics and i've enjoyed uh doing shooting clinics and balling clinics for young players so so now it's kind of the time where I'm going to take all that and put it into an online program that's, that's very organized, it's systematic, organized, and progressive. It'll take players through 12 months' worth of workouts, and, you know, it'll take trainers through 12 months' worth of training to help them understand the system that I use, and it'll show coaches how they can take these individual skill development concepts and blend them into their, their team concepts and their team practices. So I'm excited about it. There'll be, you know, there'll be a membership uh aspect to it where people will have access directly to me to ask me questions and things like that. And then there'll be some individual products dealing with everything from increasing your vertical lead to becoming a better defender. I know a lot of a lot of players don't really want to focus on that part, but we've developed some workouts that'll they'll stay focused on helping young players become better defenders and, and understand what you can do when you might not be the most athletically gifted guy in the world, but if you understand angles and, and how to play with leverage, you, you can be a good defender. So those are the things I'm excited about teaching. And then, of course, through the, the Instagram page, continuing to release some little drills here and there of stuff and that, that kids can work on to get better and, and some other players too. There's some other guys that I've got in there that we'll, we'll start putting out there. I'm getting more active with it. I'm getting better. Um, I'm, I'm certainly not a, the, the best with it, but, but hopefully I'll, I'll be getting better here for the next couple of months.
0: Has uh, as everything going on with, with coronavirus sort of made you more, uh, I guess, appreciative and, and uh, made you love the, the training and, and the whole process of it more.
1: Well, the, certainly the the contact, right, the, the relationships, and, and and the time that we actually get to spend with people, right. I mean, mm-hmm. the training, you know, you can tra- we, training online is is very effective. It, it really is, but. You know, but but with Stefan specifically, just the time that we have together and, and the friendship, you know, those those are the things that I've taken a little bit more time this year as we went through July, August, and a little bit of September when we were doing in-person workouts. Yeah, I think I took more time to really kind of enjoy the friendships, not only with Stefan, but with the assistants that I have out there and and the time we actually get to spend with people. So that that's been kind of eye-opening and, and it, it makes you a little bit more thankful for those times. Um, but, but it is, you know, it, it certainly is a nice feeling to kind of have something normal, um, as we're going through this time, because it, it has certainly been challenging, but again, you know, it's, it's, it's a challenge that, um, that we can all improve through if we choose to, you know, if you want to get better through this time, you can, you know, we could all sit around and feel sorry for ourselves, but the reality is nothing, nothing positive is going to come from that. So we all have to figure out how to get better through this process and, and work through it so that we're all safe brandon anything else you
0: want to put a plug no
1: man that's it man i really appreciate it this has been a good time I, i enjoy these things i'd love to come back
0: Well, thank you for coming. We will definitely have you on. Uh, You, you know, I I had good expectations for this, especially from uh, just to learn more about the player development aspect, but you just, it was better than I expected. Um, So thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, Where can people find you on social media? If you want to plug that? Yeah, social media.
1: So Instagram is my primary social media outlet. I'm not great with Twitter, but, So it's at Coach Brandon Payne is my personal uh, Instagram page. And then at Accelerate B-Ball is our company's page. So you can see some interesting things on both of those pages. And we'd love to have you follow us.
0: Awesome. Um, As always, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Uh, You can find it wherever you guys um, get your podcast, whether it's Apple, Google, iHeart, Spotify, all those places. Um, you can follow me at Tomer Zarli. That's T-O-M-E-R-A-Z-A-R-L-Y on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, follow Clutch Points. Follow Blue Wire as well. Um, we got some great content there. Um, any comments, questions, suggestions, or concerns you guys have for us, please leave them as well. Um, and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode because I, I really enjoyed it. Brandon, thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time uh, just explaining everything in depth. This has been uh, a very great podcast. I think one of one of my favorites that we've done. Thank you very much. Uh, I really appreciate you having me. All right. Hope you guys enjoy it. See you guys next time.
1: For the one standing guard. For the eagle-eyed. For the knights in shining armor. And for all those who support them. We are Granger, your experienced safety partner. Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. Committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click slash safety, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.